Chapter Ten of Just As I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Just As I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Ten: The Superior Woman. The Honourable Mrs. Aspinall was a lady who had made the journey of life with a fixed determination of always taking the lead of her fellow travellers she had occupied the box-seat on the coach as it were and had required an extra amount of attention from coachman and guard she had such a boundless faith in her own superiority that she had finally succeeded in making other people believe it too this man will do great things said mirabeau of robespierre because he believes in himself mrs aspinall's high estimation of her own merits had enabled her to reach the top of that particular tree on which she desired to perch and once having gained her place she knew how to keep it she was not the wealthiest or the most aristocratic woman in the county she was neither the handsomest nor the cleverest but by adopting a leading tone by talking of herself always as if she were first and foremost by the calm arrogance with which she put down other people and asserted her own opinions she had contrived to achieve social leadership she had invested herself with the regal mantle and put on the crown and nobody had the courage or perhaps the inclination to pluck them off of the lady's hereditary claim to distinction society knew very little the honourable thomas aspinall as a younger son of lord riverdale was a sprig of nobility but his wife sir bernard burke described briefly as calphurnia younger daughter of patrick o'ryan esq hollyhill county cork this might mean anything or nothing said society slavishly submitting to pretensions for which it could discover no adequate basis the honourable thomas had gone to his place in the family vault fifteen years ago and mrs aspinall had enjoyed all the privileges of unfettered widowhood ever since she had no children to occupy her time and make her acquainted with care to sponge upon her limited income and remind people of her age by their ridiculously rapid growth she was free to live her own life and her life was essentially selfish she had not been unflattered by matrimonial offers during her long widowhood but among her various suitors there had been no one able to give her a better position than she enjoyed as a widow and the deaf adder was never more indifferent to the voice of the charmer than was mrs aspinall to the pleading of a lover who had no substantial advantages to sustain his suit her income was not large but it just sufficed with careful management for the lady's personal wants and enabled her to head all those subscription lists which have a local importance and are seen by everybody she had the use for her life of aspinall towers a roomy old house in a park of considerable extent but sparsely timbered the late lord riverdale having considerably denuded his various seats and manors of such useless excrescences as oaks elms and beeches the house was big and draughty and cold it had been last furnished early in the reign of george the third and the chairs and tables were all of that angular and spindle-legged character which is now accepted as your only beauty in cabinet-makers work mrs aspinall declared that everything had been made by the renowned chippendale and she rejoiced inwardly at a revolution in taste which enabled her to be in the height of the fashion without putting her hand in her pocket to buy anything new 
even the faded colouring of her curtains and chair covers a kind of pallid mouldiness which pervaded everything in the house was artistic and mrs aspinall had the satisfaction of saving money while she sneered at the glowing crimsons and peacock greens to be found in the mansions of the newly rich on the morning after the trial mrs aspinall began to busy herself at an early hour with her preparations for that friendly little dinner which sir everard courtenay had promised to eat with her although essentially selfish and self-indulgent she was not lazy no idle person could have acquired the position she had taken upon herself or maintained it upon her narrow means she liked work she had a tremendous stock of energy which had to be got rid of somehow she found as much enjoyment in an active life a perpetual moving to and fro managing calling letter-writing as women of lymphatic temper find in lolling in a soft nest beside the fire reading a novel to-day she had much to do in a few hours she wanted this dinner of to-night to be as pleasant as it was possible for a dinner to be she had been trying her hardest and she was a woman of exceptional persistency to get sir everard and his daughter to the towers in a friendly familiar way and heretofore she had failed sir everard had dined six years ago at one of her grand dinners dulcie had gone to one of her lawn parties under miss blake's wing and chiefly to please morton but here it had ended in vain had mrs aspinall plied the baronet and his daughter with every variety of invitation sir everard pleaded that he rarely went anywhere and had lost all relish for society dulcie urged in excuse for frequent refusals that she did not care to go out without her father but now in a yielding moment sir everard had promised to come and calphurnia determined that having once given way he should give way again until he became as wax in her hands a man like that would be worth listening to the widow told herself remembering those ineligible suitors whom she had dismissed so coolly i must have someone to meet them porker she said to a genteel drudge who combined the offices of still-room maid needlewoman and lady's maid under the ladylike appellation of companion just fourteen years ago this long-suffering porker then hovering between girlhood and womanhood and with a fresh-coloured pleasing appearance had advertised her willingness to be generally useful in the character of companion to a lady of position and her further willingness to accept a small salary her chief object being to secure a comfortable home miss porker was the eldest daughter of a struggling parson and it had of late been made clear to her that her presence in the family circle was regarded rather as a burden than as a blessing mrs aspinall answered the advertisement and invited the young lady whose paternal home was only ten miles on the other side of blackford to come to the towers for a preliminary interview there was not a word about railway expenses but miss porker was deeply moved by the address of aspinall towers and the gorgeous blending of gold and colour in the lady's monogram louisa's greatest weakness was a worship of rank and style a craving for the society of fashionable people and the name of mrs aspinall was delightfully familiar to her in the local newspapers as one of the leaders of county fashion she paid for her second-class return ticket willingly although the purse from which the money came was but scantily furnished and she made her difficult journey across country to highclere 
whence a fly, at the fearful expenditure of half a guinea, carried her to Aspinall Towers. It was a bleak, blowy October day, and though Louisa was awed by the grim grey towers with their narrow windows and machicolated parapets, flanking a long grey house, and by the extent of the park through which she approached this stony mansion, she could but feel that the place altogether looked shivery, and that for everyday comfort the cosy little village vicarage, with its holly-hedged garden and single paddock, was a better place to live in. But Louisa panted for style, and here was a style far beyond anything to which her aspiring mind had soared. Those towers, this park, thrilled her. It is positively ducal, she exclaimed to herself, enraptured at the thought that it might be her lot to inhabit that medieval mansion. A crimson footman handed her over to a butler in irreproachable black, and by that functionary she was conducted to Mrs. Aspinall's morning-room. A spacious apartment with pale salmon-coloured walls and a white and salmon cornice of elaborate design, a room which would have looked warmer and more comfortable with a little more furniture in it. The intensely Chippendale chairs and tables had a pinched and shrunken appearance on this chilly morning. Mrs. Aspinall received the stranger with a kind of off-hand friendliness, which struck Louisa as the essence of good breeding. "'Come and sit by the fire,' she said, "'and put your feet on the fender. You look blue with cold.' Louisa had been taught to consider it a social crime to put her foot on a fender. The home fenders had been sacred. But at Mrs. Aspinall's request, she timidly rested the sole of her stout country-made boot on the edge of the brass fender, while that lady, seated opposite, perched her gold-rimmed binoculars on the bridge of her nose, and scrutinised Miss Porker from head to foot. "'Now, my dear, what can you do?' asked Mrs. Aspinall in a business-like tone, when she had finished her survey. "'Are you accomplished? Play, sing, speak French, Italian, German, paint flowers and landscapes?' "'Oh, dear, no, madam,' exclaimed Louisa, reddening and looking frightened. "'If I were able to do all that, I should have gone out as a finishing governess, and should have hoped to earn a hundred guineas a year.' "'I see. You have no accomplishments.' And because you can do nothing, you think yourself the proper person to go out as a companion to a lady of position. Louisa's blood seemed to freeze in her veins. Had she paid seven and elevenpence for her railway ticket, waited ever so long at those shelterless cross-country junctions, and finally expended ten shillings on a flyman who made it a favour to convey her to her destination, in order to be lectured by the Honourable Mrs. Aspinall, and sent home with a sense of her own incapacity? I hope, she faltered, that although I am not universally accomplished, I have the power to make myself useful and agreeable in a lady's household. My sisters and I were educated at home, and my father, a country vicar, could not afford us the advantage of governess or masters. We learnt all that my mother could teach us. It is only lately that I thought of taking a situation but I certainly fancied myself qualified for the post I seek. I can play a little, and sing a little, and know a little French. I'm a good hand at all kinds of plain and fancy needlework. "'Can you turn a gown and make a bonnet?' asked Mrs. Aspinall. "'I always make and remake my own gowns, and sometimes make my own bonnets.' 
i'm glad of that i might now and then want you to be useful in that way i have my own maid of course but as she has to assist in the housework i may want a little extra help now and then i couldn't wear anything made by a country dressmaker and when i don't care to order a gown straight from worth i like to get one thrown together at home i should be always delighted to be useful replied miss porker not foreseeing to what she was pledging herself so you say in your advertisement but it's just as well to have these matters clearly understood do you like reading aloud i am used to it oh that's better as i shan't be afraid of tiring you when i want the times and post read to me of an evening you're fond of flowers i suppose passionately oh then it will be an amusement to keep my jardinieres and window-boxes in order and to potter about with your garden scissors and the watering-can in the conservatories this sounded homelike and pleasant almost like being treated as a daughter of the house that kind of work would delight me said miss porker i thought so and then i should want you to give your attention to table decoration the arrangement of a dessert for instance butlers are so narrow-minded and clumsy you and i could hit upon new ideas and infuse a little poetry into the business i should be charmed to assist with regard to your meals pursued mrs aspinall now contemplating the vicar's daughter dreamily as she lay back in her chair i think it would be as well for you to dine when i take my luncheon and take your tea and supper in a snug little sitting-room of your own which i should contrive to spare you as i know you would appreciate the privilege of a private sitting-room this would leave the evening free to both of us if i wanted you to come and read or play to me or chat with me you could come if i didn't you could amuse yourself in your own way write letters or novels most young ladies write novels and it must be very amusing for them and not too expensive now the duty is taken off paper so long as they don't publish them all this was said with an agreeable familiarity that enchanted miss porker and now there's the question of salary if i were inclined to make bargains i should say that a young lady who is absolutely inexperienced ought not to expect any salary for the first two or three years of her engagement but as i like to be good-natured to young people i'll waive the question of inexperience and you shall start with a small salary now what is your idea of a small salary i have thought that thirty pounds a year faltered louisa thirty pounds screamed mrs aspinall my poor child are you aware that in great britain and ireland alone there are ever so many millions surplus women do you know that feminine labour is a drug in the market that if i were to advertise for a companion i should be inundated with applications from young ladies wanting to come to me for nothing pray my dear be reasonable twenty pounds a year with the moderate use of my laundry no frilled petticoats or white muslin gowns is the very utmost i could afford to give you louisa hesitated 
and looked dubiously round at the chippendale furniture the hot-house flowers in old satsuma jars the black and gold japanese screen the salmon-coloured walls it was all very elegant refined aristocratic but twenty pounds a year was a poor pittance and that restriction about frilled petticoats and muslin gowns was galling then she comforted herself with the thought that she had only one frilled petticoat in her wardrobe and then she reflected how nice it would be to live with such a friendly easy-tempered person as mrs aspinall and to see those machicolated battlements every time she looked out of the window and to walk in that extensive park she felt that it would be something to pass all at once into an aristocratic atmosphere to be waited upon by a footman in crimson plush instead of the red-elbowed housemaid at home well my dear said mrs aspinall breaking sharply on the girl's reverie will it do for you oh yes if you please madam i think if you feel that i can please you i should like to come of course you can please me that is a matter within your own volition if you are accommodating and industrious a very early riser by the by that is indispensable and sweet-tempered and quiet in all your ways i am sure we shall get on you may come to me early next week i know all about your people so there need be no worry about references and now you shall have some tea and bread and butter before you go back to the station so louisa sat with her feet on the fender and was regaled with strong tea and delicious home-made bread and butter and unconsciously sold herself into bondage she had now been with mrs aspinall fourteen years and yet she was not altogether unhappy mrs aspinall though freely spoken of in the servants hall as a tartar had never been positively unkind to louisa porker there was no motive for unkindness where the slave was so willing or so submissive End of chapter ten